Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Man, what a uh, Tuesday it is. It was a, uh, what, did, what did Sark call it on Twitter? Uh, it was a, they're on a heater. They're on a heater. On, give them the heater. <laughs> give them the heater. That's old Major League there. Oh, they are on a the heater, though. They're on a heater. Uh, it was, you know, they, we talked a lot, Rod, and a little bit of props to us. We told you leading into the weekend, it's a big weekend because the long ones are going to have Matthew Golden, Andrew Makuba, Xavier Phil Sami, some other guys on campus while they start bowl practice. And they're bringing in a bunch of guys who are already committed, which is always a good sign. You're bringing in guys who are already, you know, jumping in the ship to help bring other guys into the ship. And obviously it's paid off with four commitments now since Saturday, Sunday when uh, Matthew Golden made his commitment. And these can be, a, these are guys, you, these are names you're going to hear as impact players for Texas next year on, on either side of the ball. Uh, they'll be important to the move into the SEC in the future of the oh, Texas Matthew team. Matthew Golden will be special teams, too. Yeah. It's going to be your top return guy. Said, I'm sure uh, PK would love to have Makuba for the Washington game. Hey, hey Andrews, he could, he could use a, he could, Especially with Derrick Williams out. Your best coverage safety out for the first half of that game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you hell, you had three no, three safeties. You can't safeties. do that. But. Yeah, no, you can't, but you had three safeties. And now they, they were going to play in the game. But like I said, even practice is a little tougher now. You don't even have bodies at safety potentially yeah. to even practice. You're right about that. Because you lost three of them. Yeah. Well, you lost at least Derek Williams can practice. Until, at least he yeah, can practice. Yeah, three are in the portal. You're still light, though. Yep. You're light at that position right now. Uh, and, you know, we, we know that, that you know, tomorrow is signing day. I'm assuming at some point today we'll hear of a Steve Sarkeesian news conference uh, and typically oh, on signing day yeah. tomorrow afternoon yeah. that we'll be able to uh, cover and then bring you the highlights of on Thursday. Uh, but, you know, the Longhorns expect 22 commitments tomorrow. And three of those commitments are going to be able to practice in the bowl game practices after Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just crazy how this is going. And, you know, Parker Livingstone and um, Christian Clark are running back. Like three of those guys will be able to be at bowl practice. Did you say Ryan Wingo? Ryan He's Wingo. Been, is that also? Well, yeah. think about that because Ryan Wingo, we talk about and you're projecting the wide receiver room for next year. Mm-hmm. Also, you need, uh, need, you need bodies there because you're losing a lot of guys. Yeah, we're assuming JT Sanders, X-Man, A.D. Mitchell, and – and we know Jordan Whittington's out of eligibility. So those four gone. Those are your four top pass catchers. So you're already looking at next year. Matthew Golden will find his way. You yep. talk about the uh, the circle of trust with Sark. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like DeAndre Moore and Jonte Cook could be in that. But Ryan Wingo, being here as a five-star player at bowl practice, can start that process and become a guy that uh, you know maybe helps you replace an A.D. Mitchell, a big picture mm-hmm. with his ball skills, his height, uh, and that kind of thing. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll, we'll uh, cover signing day wall-to-wall tomorrow, obviously starting at 6 a.m. with this show. But we were having some fun during the uh, the off-the-record run. Yeah. The, uh, oh, man. With Rashard Mendenhall. Rashard Mendenhall. I, I still don't – maybe he's just trolling us. Maybe this is a nice troll job. 
Yeah, those uh, are the ones I see, and I just kind of move along. It's, Everybody wants it's to comment gotten the, on it. It's gotten, but it's gotten the attention of the NFL world. Like people are actually genuinely discussing it. Like I said, JJ Watt's response. <laughs> yeah, but, but by the way, you you and JJ Watt saying you know we don't have a white guy that cover Tyreek Hill. Y'all don't have a black guy that cover Tyreek Hill. So come uh, come with that deal. That is very true. <laughs> There's nobody that can cover Tyreek Hill. Uh, so I bet I guess their point is that if it's a black versus white uh, football game, as Rashad Mendenhall's racist tweet suggests, uh, then well. Tyreek Hill's going to be on the black squad, so you ain't got to worry about covering him. Yeah. <laughs> only the white guys. I know, only the white guys. But he's a problem for everybody, right? <laughs> uh, but he is a problem for everybody. Uh, yeah, but I, Rashad Mendenhall's tweet is just uh, Too much. unhinged, basically. For those who didn't remember, here's, here's a tweet. I'm sick of average white guys commenting on football. Y'all not even good at football. Can we please replace the Pro Bowl with an all-black versus all-white bowl so these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football? I'm better than your goat. Like I said, I don't know if he was high – or what, but it's, the tweet is still up there, and he has not said he got hacked. He's actually defending the tweet with people who are responding to it. So I don't know what's going on with Rashad Mendenhall. We need to, you know, pray for him. I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, it's just <laughs> such a – I mean, it's racist day, but it's also just so dumb. I mean, if you've never been the president, you can't compliment comment on the president? I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? Well, that, that, there's so many things where yeah. co- commentators didn't actually do coaches that. Coaches who didn't play football in the NFL. Yes. That coach. I mean, yes. That's how most of them. They played the NFL. I mean, coach there's coaches that never man. played football at all. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, there's women coaches. I mean, that's like being like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, let's get a good, men versus women game to prove who's better. Well, you know, it's, I mean, yes, stupid. and that's why that's why Great a good point. balance of those who played the game, those who didn't, making comments about games is, is probably a good good thing, right? It is good. It's yeah. it's healthy, and you know, players can talk about you know why well, I played that. That's why I think this show. I I didn't play football in the NFL or college, Rod. Grew up playing sports, but you played at a very high level, which you take people behind the scenes and can give that perspective that people want because. 99% of the people listening didn't play to the level you played. Exactly. Uh, which it makes it a balanced show and a good conversation. Yeah. But uh, that's a racist dumb tweet. <laughs> that's a racist dumb tweet. Uh, okay. Uh, now we're done with the racist dumb tweet. Uh, we were, I want to get to this piece of audio for Off the Record as well. We didn't have a chance to. So I believe it's Booger McFarlane, if I'm Booger. not mistaken, T.Y., isn't it, Booger? They're Correct. doing they're, they're doing bowl coverage here. And one of the bowl games, I guess it was raining. It was a torrential downpour in one of the bowl games. And Booger McFarlane discusses what he believes is a benefit for the players when it's pouring down. I never experienced this, but Booger says, I guess Booger says he did. Here it is. There is one upside to this. As a defensive lineman, when you're soaking wet and it's raining, and you got to go to the bathroom... (laughs) You, hey, I'm just, I wasn't expecting no, So listen, hey, you have to find some good in this. So normally, normally, normally we have to go back in the locker room. But since everything is wet, you just get to go. You just, I mean, you just, you just let it flow. It's the heater. Okay. Well, I didn't go that far. But just let it flow. I went far. I don't agree with that. I don't. I don't. Mm-mm. I do not second that. I won't. Won't retweet that or favorite it. No, that's not. Nope. I played the game. I did never. I played in a couple of rainy games. Never used it as an opportunity just to go to the bathroom. No, because I didn't think anybody would notice, and they probably wouldn't have. But man, you got to play in it. I don't know. I don't yeah. think I can play in urine-soaked well, pants. Well, you're not a filthy animal like that's true. Linemen. D-linemen are different. You're right. Linemen, linemen are different. O-linemen are filthy yeah. animals. Because uh, Mark Schler talks about this all the time. Dan Neal. Dan Neal. Yeah, he's, Mark Schler said he would do it. Yeah. And at well, times, Dan, Dan like wouldn't, but Mark would. He would. He'd sit next to Mark. He's like, dude. I got to move. Yeah. <laughs> I like on the bench. Yeah, Mark Sanders said he would do it. He said, I felt bad for the quarterbacks at times because they'd have to get up in underneath there 
with the uh, urine-soaked pants and get the – What does Peyton Manning call it? The uh, – you know, oh. you got to get up in there. <laughs> yeah. He said he knew uh, Jeff Saturday's undercarriage, but he knew any other man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got to get on up there. He said he knew exactly how it felt. Speaking like, of tush push. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, there you go. Book Taint before push. And there's some, there's some wild things. Not having a bathroom on the sidelines of a football game, It trust me, I've said it before, it has led to very strange uh, occurrences happening on the field. I do know two players who could not hold it, and based on a hard hit or whatever oh. happened on the field, they the bubble guts turned into worst-case scenario, and they did fake the injury like Paul Pierce did, so that they could be escorted off the field. Jalen, Jalen Hurts it's pooped a, his pants a, last week. It's white pants. There have been a bunch it's of white pictures that have come out. We'll just, you know, he's got a little brown stain. Who? Jalen Hurts Jalen last Hurts. week. Really? Yes. Is this true? Yes. Oh. There's, a bunch of, there's a bunch of memes that are coming out now. Because, wow. Uh, I haven't no, seen it all over the place. Oh, no. By the way, I've What did they do? They, did they go to the locker room and chat? When did this happen? No, it was just in the game. He clearly just pooped. Like, I keep on seeing oh, pictures sure of it. Like, is, gr- everyone, is nobody going to talk about how Jalen Hurts scrapped his pants? Is it grass stain? Oh, no. It's, <laughs> it is brown. It's not? It I is. I know. So the Longhorns have white pants, so I remember it clearly. It was in. I'm not even going to say the positions, but it happened twice while I played. Oh. And, yes, they just like Ty mentioned, I think it was like a hard hit or bubble guts going wrong. There's no porta potty on the side. I mean, I've told you all my, my porta potty porta yeah, story in middle this. school. Like that, <laughs> we were talking I, about biscuits and gravy early. We don't need to well, go to I mean, the, I, I had some residual damage on my pants after. You know, I was oh, wearing no socks. Oh, and the, oh. I was playing right tackle, and the right guard next to me literally almost oh. threw up the, entire, the rest of the entire practice. It was <laughs> not so a fun bad. day for anyone. Yeah, exactly. So football players, the ones who play on the line are disgusting. And you were on the line too, weren't you, Ty? Yes, he was. Yes. Yeah. Yes, the line play is just a different world. It's a gross, it's gross, grimy world. I yeah, always right. felt a little out of place with the O line. Like, I, I mean, I didn't play O line in high school, but D line, you know, we we're all on the side, same side of the locker room. I, I always wished I was on the skill position side because yeah, things like an things, oxymoron. He things got a little <laughs> weird. <laughs> On the, the D lineman in the in the oh, in the choir. Oh yeah, in the in the Glee choir. It gets it gets weird with D lineman and O lineman. It does. Ask hey, Casey Stunner. Ty, can I play this for you? And we're going we are gonna play the uh, the Dave Chappelle. Oh, shit coming up at the bottom. As of the a hour. tribute to the yeah, racist to, tweet to for Richard Richard Mendel. Mendel. Yeah, we have to. The uh, racial draft. We have to. We'll also play <laughs> who said that. But I want to play this for. I just sent it to you, Ty. Listen to Jalen Hurts. Eagles lost last night. Their third straight loss. The Seahawks did the Cowboys a huge favor by rallying a 92-yard 10-play drive engineered by the backpack guy himself, Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Uh, and he threw some nice balls on that drive. He hit DK Metcalf on a long one. He hit uh, DK on a couple of big ones. And then he hit Jackson Smith and Jigba on a 30-yard strike, dropped it in the bucket, touchdown catch. And listen to Jalen Hurts after this game. This is You talk about the, they're kind of coming unraveled uh, in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. They lost both coordinators from last year's Super Bowl team. Um, you know, they, they moved Matt Patricia to play caller this week uh, you know, on defense. Uh, and listen to Jalen Hurts after this game. They've lost three in a row now, and now the Cowboys have a, the the uh, you know if they could win out, which is going to be yeah. a challenge with their schedule, could still win this division and get the number two seed in the NFC. Here's uh, the Eagles quarterback after the game. In, in those situations, I've been talking about execution all year. Um, been on the same page. Everyone been on the same page, and we didn't execute. Um, I don't think we we're we're all we're uh, committed enough. You know, you know, just just got to turn it around. You know, you know, it's a challenge that we have to embrace. Just continue to see it through. What do you mean by that about being committed enough? Commitment. 
I don't know no that if I had a dictionary on me now, um excuse me. I don't know um how else to say. Wow. I got, I got a hot take. I got a hot Jalen Hurts take here. Give I, it to him. I think he's going to have the same career trajectory as Dak Prescott. Hot start. Well, we'll see. We'll exposed see. later in his career. Well, he's hurt right now, and you can tell. And his yeah. decision, because uh, after Drew Locke led the touchdown drive, he he threw a pass. They still had 30 seconds left, and he, he scrambled for 20 yards and got out towards midfield. They only needed another 15, 15 yards to try to kick a field goal to tie the game, and he made a decision that got intercepted that was just like, what is he doing? Uh, and he only threw for 140 yards last night. He ran the ball pretty well, but that's why I think he – whatever injury it is, it's related to his throwing motion and his throwing mechanics because he runs still pretty well, and he's taking shots. So he's got pain tolerance. He's tough, but you're right. He doesn't like the same passer. It just doesn't look it the doesn't same. It doesn't look the same. Yeah. And, and then we got saw the, the Super weapons. Bowl last year and even more weapons, it feels like, this year with uh, – um, the DeAndre Swift at running back, but uh, all right. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, are the are the and Ty, your are point the Eagles about coming unraveled? They play the Giants twice and the Cardinals the last three games. To Ty's point, I think I remember you even saying this e that there are people compare Jalen Hurts coming out to Dak Prescott. Yeah, and when he came out, because Dak Prescott was a running quarterback when he first came out. Like, he was running the football, and he was tough, and he was not known as being an elite high level passer. He's grown into that. He's been developed into that, and so Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was not known for being a high level elite well, remember, passer. Dak, Dak, and he's, developed into Dak was at Mississippi State and basically ran that Tim Tebow offense for Dan Mullen right where it was about a running the Bam Bam Sam kind of offense and so his run his throwing ability was not highlighted Jalen Hurts went to Oklahoma to try to improve his passing but he still was known as a tough guy who could run great leader Mm -hmm. captain gonna be there for you in a pinch and all those are true kind of like Dak same with Dak yeah and and, but you know the work he put in on on working on his mechanics and throwing was now legendary. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's one of those ultra alpha workers. Do you still do you consider Jalen Hurts a, like a great passer, though? I still, well, he was last year. He last was last year. He was. He was last that's why year. we that's, think he's hurt. That's why we think there's an injury something because he's, he's not yeah. nearly I, as accurate I, this year as he I was, was hearing, last year. I was hearing from, from and doing research, uh, there were insiders in Philadelphia that were hinting that he was hurt to go into the season. It just wasn't devastating. And now it may be to the point where the pain – is intolerable or something like that. Well, go back and watch the Super Bowl last year and tell me he's not a good passer. He he made some throws against yeah. the Chiefs that are elite level throws, uh, and that's something he's worked on just like Dak Prescott has. And now, but you know, he brings I think even a more of a running element and the tush push and his you know power lifting days where he can push that line of scrimmage like no other quarterback yeah. can. He's got a lot to him, but I, I it feels like he's banged up. And now he's right there. You kind of hear him calling out teammates. Are we committed enough? Well, who's he talking about? And that's the, that's the question. Who's, who's he, not he's talking about enough. somebody. Yeah, he's, he's talking, talking about, about yeah. wide receivers, O-line. You know, who's he talking about? Jonathan Bradbury, yeah. who got torched last night. Yeah, and I think it just may be – and it's unfortunate. And we, I talked about this, and I gave the stats before the season. You know, this is an unprecedented loss of coaching talent that the Philadelphia Eagles had. They were just, they were just the third Super Bowl team – Super Bowl participant to lose each of their coordinators to head coaching jobs. Only third team in the history of Super Bowls to lose both of them to head coaching jobs. Uh, and they're the sixth team, I think, to lose both of their coordinators, period, after the Super Bowl. None of those teams made it back to a Super Bowl, of course. And Philly's offense and defense last year, guys, they were top three. Yeah. They were top three in both offense and defense last year. That's elite. And they've already decided that you know, defensively, Sean Desai is not getting it done. And I think offensively, it may just be the schematic disadvantage they're now at, or just maybe they don't have the advantage they once had with a a Shane Steichen and a a Jonathan Gannon. And I don't know, man. Think about this. And I gave this stat too earlier. You know, the 
the teams in the NFC that go to the Super Bowl and lose, the last NFC representative in the Super Bowl that lost and returned to the Super Bowl the next season was the Minnesota Vikings in 1974. Yeah, that's not going to happen. When this you year. lose in that's the NFC, then you you don't go back. You just said that you reminded <laughs> folks they were they were elite both sides of the ball last year. They're not elite on defense, and Jalen Hurts not the same, and that's why they've lost three in a row. They survived some games that they probably shouldn't have won, including that Cowboys game, the first matchup, and now it's all coming unraveled for them. But again, they played the Giants twice and the in the Cardinals. So it's a good chance they'll finish stronger than the Cowboys. Good chance they can win out here. Yeah. Um, even at their current state. And the Seahawks were playing for a lot last night, and they, they found a win with Drew Locke. I'd also say this before we go to Rod's rant. My quick rant, the NFL has flex scheduling, Rod. So we have a great weekend of football. We know this weekend is Christmas, right? Christmas yep. Eve is Sunday. Christmas Day is Monday. So you've got a full Sunday on Christmas Eve that the Sunday night game, Rod, is the Patriots and the Broncos. Do we want to watch that on Sunday night, Christmas Eve? No. Can we move that? Yeah, what's, uh, what are our options? Cleveland and Houston. The second time I've logged in for the Texans. That's the most important game mm-hmm. of Sunday. Now, is C.J. Stroud going to play? Well, yeah, I hope so. But that's a 7-8-6 that's a eight and six Houston team against a 9-5 and five Brown team. That's a big game in Houston. That's a huge game. At noon. That's, a, that's the biggest game of the early window like as far that. as playoffs goes. Can we move that to Sunday night? Why not? That'd be great. Right. Just, yeah, which is because, I mean, first of all, you've got the storyline. Yes. I, mean, I know Deshaun Watson's not playing. Well, and I think just, still, I think Cleveland line. deserves to be nine and five with all their injuries and the story of Joe Flacco back leading that team. Could have defensive player of the year yeah. uh, there with Miles Garrett. You could have when well, I could. You will have the offensive rookie of the year, C.J. Stroud, if he plays. Yeah. D'Amico Ryan's is a favorite coach to win of coach of the year. Yeah. Uh, here's uh, this comes from uh, this is from Ben Dubose who covers the uh, Houston teams, covers Rockets, Texans, uh, and Astros. Uh, he says he claims that C.J. Stroud is still dealing with sensitivity to light okay well right then he now. may not play but uh yeah and, and exactly right there are some people saying if you're dealing with sensitivity to light today or i think this was 10 hours ago so yesterday that doesn't bode well for him getting out of the it, was a, it was a tough concussion he hit the he hit the ground hard on yeah. the back of his head but think about that if you move that game you have cowboys dolphins in the late window 325 which everyone's going to tune oh, that's into some, yeah that's great 10 and 4 against 10 and 4 great game 2 Dak, everything you want then it would be browns texans and then monday there's on christmas day there's a triple header Raiders, Chiefs, Giants, Eagles, which all Cowboys fans we tuning into, mm. and then the Ravens, Ravens. and 49ers Oof. on Sunday night. That's the two top seeds in yeah. AFC and NFC. That is going to be. Well, a think big about game. think about the Cowboys. Or excuse me, the, uh, the the Dolphins. Cowboys are playing the Dolphins. Dolphins, you kind of you're, you're hoping the Niners give the Ravens a loss because if you beat the Cowboys and the Niners beat the Ravens the next night, you pull even with them for the top seed in the AFC. That's true. That's what your Christmas gift would be, that yeah. the Niners do you a friendly, beat Baltimore, you beat Dallas, and all of a sudden you're in a driver's seat position to go get the one seed in the AFC. That would be ideal. So, Cowboys, you're going to see a very motivated Dolphins team on yeah. Sunday afternoon. There is um, no doubt about that. And you should see a motivated Cowboys team. I mean, after getting embarrassed, I would say good teams usually bounce back really well after being embarrassed, and the Cowboys were embarrassed in that game. And I do think they match up better with the Dolphins than probably they did with the Bills when the Bills decided to be a run-first team. Um, I got a – it's a, a great stat. I'll try to find it here for you real quick. Um, when looking at when the Bills went 22 personnel, which is basically two backs, two tight ends on the field. Oh, yeah. When the, Bill, when the Bills went 22 personnel, which they did because they wanted to run the Rock against the Cowboys, um, and they ran it against the Cowboys playing six DBs, which the Cowboys do more than any team in the NFL with their dying package, the Bills outweighed the Cowboys by 390 pounds, 35 pounds per player. 
they were playing bully ball against them. They that's, certainly did. That's why they didn't even need Josh Allen to throw the football. Less than 100 yards passing. Seven completions. Seven completions. They want to run the rock. And Miami, they do some of that. They go 21 personnel. They'll go 12 personnel. They'll go heavier sets. Oh, yeah, they'll put, A-chain, the Shan- they'll put A-chain and yeah. Mostert in the backfield together. Yeah, with the Shanahan zone blocking scheme. So that worries me a little bit from the, Cowboys, from the Cowboys. Yeah. And the Dolphins had their embarrassing moment the week before on Monday Night Football when they blew the 14-point lead in the last two minutes and the three Ooh. minutes and lost to Tennessee. Uh, and they responded with a strong performance last week. That's a huge, huge game on Sunday. Huge Monday would, night game. So they would be the one. Would they be the one seed if they hadn't lost that game? Yeah. Well, they'd be tied they'd be with tied, Baltimore. Would they? Man. And could take advantage if the Ravens lose to the Niners in San Francisco Sunday yeah. Monday night. So, all right. So since we're late for Rod's rant, let's get a timeout. We'll come back. We'll get Rod's rant. But on the way to the timeout, Ty, can we play the uh, the? Can you guys set this up? This is uh, in, uh, the in, racial draft. The racial draft in honor of Rashad Mendenhall. Rashad Mendenhall's racist tweet that wants he wants an all black versus all white postseason game. So this is a classic <laughs> skit from the one and only Dave Chappelle. Am I correct? Yes, on this? it is a racial draft of all the uh, kind of pop, some of the pop culture figures right. uh, in America, and obviously drafting them based on their racial ethnicity. Nobody can do it. Chappelle. One of the all-time great skits. Here it is. Good evening and welcome to the first and maybe only racial draft here in New York City. <laughs> Folks, this is for all the marbles. What happens here will state the racial standing of these Americans once and for all. That's right. And the crowd is here to support their races. Well, Rob, some of the biggest names in sports and in entertainment are on the line tonight. And I'm excited to see who's going to be drafted by which race. Seated behind me on the stage there are the various representatives, and believe it or not, the blacks have actually won the first pick. Wow, that's the first lottery a black person's won in a long time, Billy. Yes, and I'll probably still complain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the black representative is heading to the microphone now. Why don't we take a listen? We in black delegation. (laughs) Two Tiger Woods. No surprises there, The richest and most dominant athlete in the world. His father, black, his mother, Thai. Well, it doesn't matter anymore because now he is officially black. Dave, the Asians have got to be upset. There's no question about that, Robert, but you gotta think about it. He's been discriminated against in his time. He's had death threats, and he dates a white woman. Sounds like a black guy to me. Wow. Looking blacker already. Uh, I'd like to say, <laughs> uh, tremendous opportunity for me. Finally, be part of a race, have a home. Been so confused by Cavalcation, so many things. So long, fried rice. Hello, fried chicken. I love you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to say this. For shizzle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it man. is so good. It's Thank just you, too Dave good. Chappelle. Oh, man. It, I, there are so many great Dave Chappelle skits. Dave Chappelle skits. Oh, man. I'm about to have to go back and watch it. I actually own the box set. I'm, I'm happy I do. It's That's worth good. it. I'm at the bar. Because I don't, I don't do know. I have a DVD player I can play? Yeah, because I don't know. Even with the ones they have that you can stream, Ty, I want to say they might have edited them already with some of the stuff that he did already. Like they, it's not, oh, you want the hard copy. You want the hard kind of unfiltered stuff. And, man, nobody did it like Dave Chappelle. There you go. The best. All right, we'll come back. Uh, Rod will get it rant. We went a little long here, but that's good stuff. We'll take your thoughts. Somebody texted and said maybe because it's Christmas Eve that they don't want, they're not going to get the same viewership Christmas Eve for Sunday night than they would normally. 
of you will go to Christmas Mass or yeah, church true, or whatever. But, but it's still a better game. Browns, Texans. I, yeah, I'm just put to the get best the... product out there. Who cares about – I mean, just put the best product out there. Yeah. That's what Flex Hilton is for. Yeah, that's – that's you know, I'll be sitting back watching I, You know, I'm watching Texans at noon, but, you know, that's you – know. Well, because we're Texas fans, but I'm talking about just for the overall league. Why are they promoting these subpar teams? Well, they, 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 they adopted the rule to be able to flex these games. And they've always had the, the, the Sunday night opportunity. And I don't know, why, why do we want to see Denver host New England? New England's terrible. New England's horrible. Horrible. I mean, yes, the legend of Bill Belichick, but that's your Sunday night game. They're a two-win team. They're awful. The primetime games this year, especially you talk about the primetime unders and how they've been, they haven't been scoring a lot, but also they've been a lot of duds. i got to think NBC and Chris Collinsworth and those guys would want the Texans and Browns. It's way more storylines. Great storylines. Way more storylines. Huge game, too. Even, even if C.J. Stroud game. doesn't play, it's still better storylines because you're right, you got division hopes on the line. Oh, it's a massive teams. game for both sides. Yeah. And obviously the Colts play the Falcons earlier in the day, You've got, which is very important for those, both of those teams. Bills are playing the Chargers. Come on in. That's NFL. an important game. Get it together. But Bengal, but the best, most important, the, the best matchup of winning teams is Houston hosting Cleveland at uh, noon on Sunday. That should be the night game, my opinion. We'll come back. When we do, Rod will have his rant. That's my say. We'll hit that plus who, who said that for the end of the hour. Who said that? Yeah. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM1260, The Horn. Yeah, good, uh, good point on the message line, 447-3776. Nice text that says uh, the Browns-Texans game would also feature the Deshaun Watson angle. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, but he's not playing. Not playing, but so that's, still got the storyline. Yeah, yeah. still got the storyline, the trade and everything. Yeah, no, you just got way more uh, storylines. And, and I think it would, it would be a way to highlight two of the better stories of the NFL season, right? I mean, the Deshaun Watson story is not a good story, but the – the job the Browns and Kevin Stefanski have done to be nine and five amidst Nick all the injuries. Done. Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryan's uh, at eight and six. So uh, that's a good storyline. Unlike Bill Belichick and how he's going to depressing storylines. Yeah. is he going to get fired? Is he? <laughs> and Broncos. We've seen enough Broncos, have we not? I mean, I know they're in the race here, but still, no, they I'm... just got smashed by the Lions last. And I went through. We've seen the Broncos a lot yeah. between last season when they thought they were going to be, you know, one of those it teams, and they weren't. And Russell was at his worst year. And this year, where obviously they put the Brown, I was sorry, the Broncos, they put the Broncos on a lot last season, and they thought they were going to be a team well, that weren't. The, the, and then this year, they put them on a lot too. Yeah, the simple rant is: if you have a rule where you can flex good games, why would you put a bad game in primetime? Yeah, if you don't have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a bad game. And you got better games. This is what you, you have the rule or the, the, the ability to do that and the agreement with your TV networks. By the way, on the Richard Mendenhall tweet, somebody tweeted us this. Did you see Minka Fitzpatrick's response, Rod? No, what did Minka say? Minka J- J- said uh, to Richard Mendenhall saying, I'm sick of average white guys commenting on football. He wants the all-black, all-white Pro Bowl. <laughs> I'm sick of average running backs fumbling the ball away in the most important game they'll ever play. Oh! But I guess we both won't get what we want, Richard. <laughs> That's how you come back on it. That's how you come back on it. Like I said, I, 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 you can, if you want to be offended by it, be offended by it. It's okay. But you don't have to be offended by everything. If you don't no. want to be offended by it. I love J.J. Watt's response, which is probably the funniest. When he's like, man, uh, we definitely won't – the white team won't have any cornerbacks to cover Tyreek Hill. Uh, and as he pointed out, well, nobody can cover Tyreek Hill anyway. But J.J. Watt also responded to someone who said, I think via Twitter, that kind of called him out about responding and making a joke about it. You know, don't be offended. You don't have to be offended by it. If you want to be offended, be offended. Be offended. You don't have to be offended. No, you don't. And you, can just, you can just – you can just – you can look at the statement and go, well, that is stupid yeah. and silly Consider and ignorant and move on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, like it's way better to call someone stupid than try to cancel them. I, I think the cancel yeah. culture is kind of coming to an them. end, uh, uh, you know, coming out of everything. I feel like people are, are willing to have a laugh a little bit more as of exactly. in the past year or so. 
It's a good point. Gave us a reason to play the, the Dave Chappelle racial draft and have even a more laugh. If you want to be offended by that, then be offended. Go ahead. That's, I'd rather laugh about it. This says letting <laughs> y'all's Texans fandom shine through a bit. No one outside of Houston or Cleveland making an appointment to watch that game on Christmas. Well, you're making an appointment to watch the Broncos play the Patriots? That's the point. We just said it's better than that one. Well, and how do you I mean the future of the NFL is C.J. Stroud potentially, right? And if, he's, if he plays in this game, that's a, how, do you, how does he become kind of a household name and so many people want to tune in to see? You've got to put him in primetime when there's a really big matchup. Um, you know, the, the, that's how you get that there. But either way, uh, they have a rule. I understand. But, you know, I, don't want to, I won't be watching that game. Yeah. No, and I listen. The I, Broncos I, and the Patriots. I'll be doing Christmas Eve stuff. I'm to, sure. To but if there was a bigger game, I'd be watching. To the Texans' point. No, I'm not. We're not saying that. Hey, man, the Texans should be the lead story, one of the big headlines in the NFL. We're just saying out of the options, they were available. There, that's a better game. It's a better product, and it has better storylines than the Broncos and the Patriots. The race. Yeah, and CJ Stroud. By the way, I know Texas might not have watched him. He's having the greatest rookie season for a quarterback in the history of the NFL. Yeah, pretty big story. <laughs> it's not a bad story. Yeah, Demico might, might win Coach of the Year. Head, I mean, Coach of the well, Year. So Kevin Stefanski has the chance too. Yeah, Miles I mean, Garrett is going to be Defensive Player of the Year yeah. probably. Not yeah. a bad storyline. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I think I see the point that I mean, you, that doesn't sound like a no, good matchup when you think about it for a second. It's a great matchup. Better than is, Bron- better than Bronco Patriots. Yeah. That's all we're saying. Good. Right. <laughs> we're just saying, yeah, it's better than that one. Not a good game. Not a good not a good terrible game. game. All right, so that's all out there this morning uh, as we get this cranked up. Can we get Rod's rant? We hit a little late with it, but it's uh, always time for a good rant from Rod Babers. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. Start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Oh, no, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. Um, okay, let's talk first before we get into uh, quarterback injuries and the uh, really the quarterback turnover in the NFL, which may be approaching a record this season. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Andrew Whitworth has really compelling take about offensive line play in the NFL, and I think the two things are linked. There's a conspiracy theory making its way around the league that I think we need to address just really quickly. Now, we all remember, and we talked about it at nauseum, the Kadarius Tony offsides play um, by with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, end up negating what could have been one of the greatest plays <laughs> of the NFL season uh, with the lateral by Travis Kelsey to Kadarius Tony negated that play because he lined up offsides initially. Uh, referee official threw the flag even before uh, they even did the lateral downfield. Um, so when he lined up offsides, and there's plenty of evidence of it, um, that negated the play. And we know afterwards Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes went off a little bit and complained about the officiating, complained about how they didn't get a warning <laughs> for the offsides of Kadarius Tony, And then later Patrick Mahomes apologized for um, basically being irrational and overreacting to the moment. Since then, there have been a lot of offsides penalties in the NFL. I've seen that. And the, the, the working theory is, so the NFL won't have to deal with the amateur sleuths on social media going back and doing their own research about was there, are, the, are the officials giving warnings for offside? Do they ever give warnings for offsides? Um, do they, uh, how, how often are teams and players lining up offside? Remember Dan Olofsky? He went back and looked at the film, and, this, and, and based on his analysis, he said, oh, Kadaris Tony lined up offsides in that game multiple times. Early on. Yeah, that's right. They just never called it. 
But then they called it in the most inopportune time in the fourth quarter. And I guess his take, and maybe the Kansas City Chiefs take was, listen, if you're not going to call it in the, in, you know, at the early parts of the game in the first quarter, in the first half, then don't call it in the second half. Don't call it in the fourth quarter when the game is on the line because we adjust to officiating, which he's right. Players adjust to officiating. I don't care if a officiating is bad or good as long as it's consistent so that I can adjust my technique and my fundamentals and my style of play to whatever the officiating is going to be. And if you're letting the guy line up outside the entire game, I will say he's probably going to keep lining up offsides. Uh, that's the point of the officiating. So that's their complaint. And here is some evidence to back up the conspiracy theory. Kevin Seifert of ESPN tweets out, NFL officials have thrown another five flags for offensive off- offsides this week. They've already tripled the high for a season in this century for offsides. <laughs> most offsides, and he lists most offsides flags in the season since 2000. Uh, 2023 is 18, 2026, and 2002 you have six. He says the average for offsides penalties from 2000 to 2022, all right, so 20. 20- 22 seasons of uh, sample size, he said, was 1.9. He said now they have <laughs> – he said they've already tripled the high for a season. Uh, my man Nick Wright, he tweets – he's a – I would say Kansas City uh, s- sympathizer and apologies. He's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, did radio there in H-Town in 610. Um, that's where I know him from. Does a really good job. Does his research. He said the long tail of the Tony offsides has been hilarious to watch. First yesterday, the refs called twice as many offensive offsides as they did the entire 2021 and 2022 seasons combined. And then last night, they get Kelsey on moving the ball forward as he has for years. Uh, They're talking about uh, Jason Kelsey, the center. So I don't know if the officials are, if they are reacting to the blowback and the backlash from the Kadarius Tony thing, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes complaining, or if this was a focus for the offseason that they decide to look into offsides penalties, so it was something that was going on prior to the Kadarius Tony thing, but it is weird. It is, it's, I will, I'll admit that's very strange. Because I've noticed it too, but I didn't have the stats to really back it up. Um, Kevin Seward also points out um, intentional groundings become a big of an issue too. He said intentional grounding call on Drew Locke late in the first half of that game last night brought the NFL season total to 56 intentional grounding calls. That's more than any, that's more than in any full season this century. The previous high was 54 in 2004. The average from 2000 to 2022 was 39. And they're already at 56 intentional grounding. I think that leads to our next topic, which is offensive line play. There's a theory that offensive line play in the NFL is at an all-time low in terms of the performance level. Here's Andrew Whitworth being asked about it on the This Is Football podcast from The Ringer, and I thought he made some very compelling points. College game, I'll put it to you. Is offensive line play in the NFL at some sort of low, Andrew? Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, I think it's definitely not the quality of what we've seen. I think there's some really good football players out there. That doesn't mean there's not some – you know, guys that are dominating the game at the offensive line position. But if you went into totality, uh, it's rough. And, and there's a lot of weeks where you look and go, man, I don't, I don't know how we can't find another guy, another three or four guys that are better <laughs> than this. Um, it, it's tough to see it. But I, I think there's a lot of things. I think that, you know, really you look at it, the mixture of D linemen we're seeing are getting more and more athletic. They're bigger, they're stronger in the sense of not that they're worse competition, but that may be some of your offensive tackles that are now playing D tackle or defensive end, stuff like that. And a three, four, 
that could have been left tackles, right? And and so you see some of that, and they're just big, strong, athletic defense alignment, the lack of time we've talked about. I still think that the lack of practice time is a little bit of an excuse just because, I mean, me being somebody who was always looking for getting out of a practice, uh, (laughs) I wasn't some guy that practiced all the time. But in the off seasons, the way I trained and prepared myself led to me having success. And so, I, I, you know, I still think that there's that's a little bit of an excuse. But, yeah, we're definitely at a point where whether it's those guys really coming up and playing the game the right way. I mean, I think if you look at the college game, it's real easy to see why we don't have a lot of those guys. It's not just because they're young playing in the NFL. It's because the college system isn't anything like the NFL system. These guys barely have to block. And so I just think they're coming in unprepared. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, the way he presents it, and I thought it was a, a brilliant point, is that it's just multifactorial. Uh, the reason offensive line play is that it, it's, it's really low right now in the NFL uh, and maybe one of the lowest uh, performance uh, uh, levels that it's been maybe ever is because you have guys, first of all, the lack, he, he, I love that he points it out, the lack of available high-end athletic talent at the, on the offensive line. He's saying that most of those guys now are going to D-line. They're getting paid more. If they're an elite athletic prospect that's 300-something pounds, they decided to go to D-line instead of go to the O-line. He also points out the new CBA um, calls for less contact at practice, less padded practices. I, as a defensive back, a skill guy, I can go work and cultivate my technique to a pretty high level as long as I got a quarterback that can throw a receiver to football. We, with with uh, seven on seven, we can really come close to simulating the technique and the fundamentals that I need to work um, in that rep, in my coverage reps, and I'm at a disadvantage most of the time in 7-on-7 because the quarterback's got a lot of time. Wide receiver, you know, they don't have to worry about pads, don't have to worry about getting hit. So as a defensive back, if I can achieve at a high level in 7-on-7 in that type of environment, it probably is going to give me an advantage in the games. It'll translate. For O-linemen, um, there's nothing that really translates in the offseason that you can do. Uh, unless you want to put on pads, have your opponent put on pads, and then, and also in, in addition to that, you can't just put on pads and have a D lineman put on pads and y'all do drills together because as an O lineman, you play as a unit. Yeah, you need all five of your, you need all five of y'all out there because you're passing off the you know uh, pass rushers uh, with the pass protection. There are also different ways you're blocking in terms of zone blocking and then your man blocking, the duo blocks. You can't really practice your craft. You can practice the uh, the technique and you can get better. You can get stronger. But in terms of you being able to simulate real game time reps, it's really tough for offensive linemen to do it unless they're in season. And now in season, the uh, CBA is saying, hey, man, you have fewer padded practice and fewer opportunities to get better as an O-lineman. And on top of that, the college game is what we're saying, preparing them less for the, the, the NFL level. And I think that's not as big of an issue because I think a lot of the schemes and concepts are trickling up from the college game to the NFL because they're trying to adapt the schemes to these quarterbacks that are coming out. So I don't know if that's as 
as, as big of an issue. There's no question when I'm looking at 18 different teams who have started multiple quarterbacks this season. Last season, it was 21 different teams started multiple quarterbacks. They set a record last year with 68 unique starting quarterbacks in the NFL, the most in the NFL season other than the, uh, the replacement uh, year where they had replacement players. And this year you're trending toward the same, you know, it's trending toward the same number or at least a number just as high. And they're protecting quarterbacks more than they ever have. All right, officials are protecting quarterbacks, making sure you can't even sneeze on a quarterback without a penalty, and yet we're seeing quarterback injuries increase. I think O-line play is definitely one of the reasons, and I just brought up the stat about uh, intentional grounding is at an all-time high in the NFL. That's because you have young quarterbacks, all right, inexperienced quarterbacks who are backups, who are starting behind underperforming, underwhelming offensive lines, who are being underdeveloped, and they're deciding, hey, man, I'm throwing this thing away, period. Yep. It's just that's and that's why your intentional groundings are going through. I don't think that's an official thing. I think that just goes back to inexperience at quarterback and any inefficiency um, and in, in, in inconsistency at the QB position. Great stuff as always with Rod B in uh, the rants. That's now you know more about football and what's happening out there. We come back. We'll go. Uh, who said that, Rod? Who said that? Some great audio from around the landscape and. Uh, who maybe said it? We'll try to guess when we come back and do that. Also, our fabulous fifth hour will be on tap. Uh, we roll on two more, uh, one more hour after this. Let's roll. Let's uh, hook them up with Ian Rodby on 101.9 AM 1260 streaming on the Horn app and on hornfm.com. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. Ian Rod B. On the Horn. Ooh, All right, Rod, it's time for Who Said That? Who As said we play that? audio from uh, important audio from around the sports world and outside it sometimes. Then uh, try to guess who said it. I've got one for you, Rod. Give it to me. This was, uh, you know, who said this? I appreciate him more than words can describe. That's like an, an unsung hero. When roles flipped and I was going to have to go be the starter, he did the same thing for me that I was trying to do for him. The encouragement that he's given me. The little pep talks here and there, talking to me before that two minute. You're the best player on this field. You're gonna lead us down this field right now. Go get it done. It's just an unselfish dude in there, man. Oh man, is that is that Drew Locke? That's Drew Locke talking about Geno Smith. Oh yeah, because Geno was celebrating with him. He did the, the bag dance. I mean yes. the bag celebration, not dance, but bag celebration. That's a good I like that. That's pretty good. Um, all right, uh, Ty sent you a bunch of clips, so you can just dial one up whenever you want to. We can play Who, Who said that? I've got to ask you, for the first time this year, I'll be voting for MVP. And by January 8th, 3 p.m. Eastern, I have to rank them. So I've got five votes, but only one person can be my first place MVP vote. Who should I vote for? I'd vote for Christian. Your defense has to completely change to cover guys like Tyreek and Mm. Christian McCaffrey. Everything has to change. Your game plan can't be the same game plan because you have to account for guys who every time they touch the ball could be a 70-yard touchdown. The amount of times that Christian or Tyreek has just carried the team and put them on his back and scored touchdowns and won games. And, like, it's a team sport, don't get me wrong, but, like, every time Christian touched the ball, our whole offense is like, all right, well, he's going to get 10 to 20 to 50 yards. And it's just when you have a guy that inspires your teammates like that to play at a high level, how is that not the most valuable player? If you want a best quarterback award, make a best quarterback award. Let's keep the MVP for the most valuable player, which, hey, you got Brock. You got Christian McCaffrey. You got Tyreek. Ooh, who said that? I don't know dude. who that was. George Kittle. 
GK. Mm-hmm. George Kittle. I agree with him. Now, we're starting to hear the uh, hard lobbying for, yeah. the, uh, for, for Christian McCaffrey from the Niners. You're noticing that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something tells me behind the scenes, our boy Shannon was like, hey, guys, we need to put our support behind one person because one of us can win it here. But if we split the vote, then we're not going to win it. Let's go. I think they're all going CMC. I think that's what's going on. All right. Uh, I, I got another clip back there, Ty. Give it to me. You can dial it up. We can play. Who said that? Actually, it might relate to the last one. Rob, you just gave a great description of Christian and what he means to the team. What's your case for him to be MVP? Dude, I think I think Christian should be MVP. I think I, I really do believe that. You know, he does everything um, for us. Runs the ball well. Can catch the ball. He does everything. And so. In my eyes, that's an MVP. You know, I'm the guy that hands him the ball off, and then I turn back and, and watch, you know, sort of what he does, bouncing off guys, making cuts, um, twisting off guys, when you got all these guys holding on to him. So I just see, you know, the beating that he takes and just his grit to continue to drive his legs and get extra yards and inches, like, and then goes off to the sideline, and he's immediately, you know, using Theraguns and moving his body, just nonstop moving. And so... But we all respect it, man. Like, he's the guy that does it all. And then he, we put him out in the slot and throw him a ball. And um, he just does everything. He's smart. And so, you know, like I've said it before, man, we definitely, you know, look up to him and his toughness. And he sets the standard. And we follow his lead. You can cut it off now, Ty. That's Purdy. That's Purdy. Yep. That's MB Purdy, who's mm-hmm. voting for his guy, Christian. And, I, look, I don't disagree. I think Christian McCaffrey with the year he's had. Because you know what? You know who else he's an MVP of is uh, fantasy football owners. Because if you were smart and took Christian McCaffrey with the first pick and you had the first pick, you're probably still playing because that dude is a machine. Yep. And he's delivered every week, (laughs) every single week. And that's all you want out of a fantasy football player is a guy that scores a good amount of points every week. And sometimes he blows up. Yeah, you're right. And and honestly, his case will be made if if indeed he's going to get a lot of momentum to be the MVP. It will be made for uh, his – basically since his arrival. With the 49ers. You can yeah, they're, they're the almost that, unbeatable. Yes, that basically, they I don't know what their record is, but they've only lost like one or two games. Uh, and that was with last October. Starting. Remember, they went on that streak last yeah. year and then like, lost their quarterback, didn't have Brock Purdy or their backup quarterback in the uh, NFC Championship game and lost to the Eagles. Who knows? Yes. Who knows? Now, like, yeah, it's a lot of that. I mean, you're right about that. I don't think a running back will win it, though. It's going it's going to be tough. This will be the year, though, if you're going to First time since Adrian Peterson 11 years ago. This would be the year. And that was the year AD went over 2,000 yards, right? He said that. Yeah, you got to be Eric Dickerson. Yeah. Chris, what, what, we got to look at Christian McCaffrey's stats, but his stats are unbelievable. They're unbelievable. They're eye-popping. Yeah, yeah they're, they're big time. <laughs> it's going to be well over 2,000 scrimmage yards, 20-some touchdowns. I mean, he's a, he's been – of course, he broke the record for touchdowns, consecutive games with a touchdown. Um, mm. and he's Yeah, he's got some superlatives. Uh, uh, that would be my vote right now. Uh, and as we right said, that, that. that game Monday night with the Ravens and the 49ers could help decide an MVP if Lamar Jackson goes off that's and leads too. the Ravens to a win. All of a sudden, he could jump into the driver's seat. Yeah. But that's going to be a showcase game Monday night uh, in Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. All right, we'll come back. We have one hour to go. We call it the fabulous fifth hour for a reason. You just never know what's going to happen. Hook him up with Ian Rodby.